I'll admit that I have a reputation for sending fiery emails. And in my reflection about fiery email sending, I think a part of that comes from being a part of very large family groups, uh, being a foster child, being an introvert, and really even being the child of someone who is a, a passionate writer. I learned that one of the ways to express yourself, given all of those personality uh, assignments, if you will, is to write your feelings and thoughts, get them out on pen and paper. Uh, and even to this day, I'm an avid, if I see a notebook that I like, I'm buying it. I love writing things down. I love drawing and doodling and stuff like that. And so I find a lot of peace and security in writing things. It also frees me from the impassioned voice that you have in the moment and that feeling that you get when there's something else you wish you would have said that you didn't say. While I have had those moments, perhaps not as um, many being a person that likes to type out how I'm feeling and thinking. Here's the problem. I would often leave meetings or experiences and be so driven to get my words out and to send them that sometimes I would send them without even rereading it because I was afraid that if I reread it or labored over it for too long, that somehow it would lack the passion or the anger or the emotion that I was hoping that it would carry because that's how I was trained. Like you got to say it in the moment. So what that meant is a couple of things. A lot of responses that centered around my tone and not my intention. A lot of responses that centered around words that triggered people. And a lot of moments or a lot of missed opportunities rather to get my needs met, right? Because in the moment I'm trying to express to you how I feel and sometimes trying to express how we feel gets away from the opportunity to get our needs met, right? 
um, I think that happens a lot of times in interpersonal relationships. Um, my brother one time said something that I didn't appreciate. And my posture was, I'm gonna set him straight in a text message. And I don't know how he, I don't even think he did respond, but the lack of a response like also created an additional layer of anger and like this need to be validated and all this kind of stuff or affirmed for how I was feeling. Well, the problem is when I started typing that text message, I wasn't clear on that being a part of my need because I wanted to be heard in a different way. So over time, I have learned to rethink how I respond to people. A few years ago, I had a wonderful coworker. Maybe she might listen to this. If she does, she knows who she is. And we come to the office every day and kind of reflect on, you know, things that are going on in our life. And we take those big stickies and kind of draw out um, thoughts and feelings that we are having, how we're going to really attack challenges that were going on in our life. And there was a particular challenge that she was having that, and we were coaching each other. So this is just, this just happened to be the day that I was doing some of the coaching. And I was like, you know what is really going to be important? And I was saying it to her, like off the cuff, and it has in turn become a practice that I've really adopted in my own life. This idea of like creating an opportunity for inaction, inaction, right? Where rather than trying to fix it, trying to get clarification, trying to ask questions, trying to be heard, trying to be accepted, trying to be validated. You just step back and don't do anything. Now, what was helpful in this interaction for us um, was um, what was helpful in this interaction for us was God's power to console and to be the intermediary. Um, I don't know what your faith is, but I'm just, I think that's important. So this pursuit of inaction is sort of like, before I respond, maybe there's something that God wants to say to me that he cannot say to me because I'm doing all the talking, I'm doing all the typing, I'm doing all the texting. And really what that looks like is inviting God into what you have determined is your problem to fix or your problem or your opportunity to say something. And a couple of things have happened as a result of this period of inaction. Sometimes you forget and you're like, it wasn't worth it. 
sometimes God comforts you and says, don't do it. Sometimes in the inaction, somebody else fights the battle for you, alleviating you from that responsibility. Sometimes it gets worse and it could have been worser had you gotten in there quick enough. Let me acknowledge this as well. I don't care who you are. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how resilient you are. I don't care how much self-control that you have. You will find yourself in a position where you will need, you have the visceral um, response to something that you see or hear that will position you to go and start texting, start sending that text or start emailing that email. People will bring parts of you to the surface that you work very hard to hide and to control. And I hear people saying, well, oh, you know, if you got the Holy Spirit, then you blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> Jesus was upset with the way that his children were being manipulated by entrepreneurs in the temple court and he turned up some tables, right? That was a display of emotion. Jesus, even though it was God's will for Lazarus to lay dead for several days before Jesus would come to raise him from the dead, he was overcome by emotion at the thought of his friend Lazarus being died that he cried. That's a natural response. So the Bible tells us that we do not have an advocate in Christ that is so high and pious and holy that he did not for our sake, experience some natural emotion. The difference is that he did what the Bible talks about. He was angry and sinned not. So having a visceral response, having a emotional response to something that we see or hear is natural, right? You get in situations where People can be disrespectful. You, if you're like me, you are surrounded by people who have narcissistic behavior, mental instabilities, people who don't always see a variety of different perspectives, people who have not been exposed to folks who identify differently racially. Uh, there are just so many examples and there's so many things that we go through every day where we are positioned to challenge people and behaviors and things. And it's hard to, whether you're saved or unsaved, whether you're Christian or not Christian, it is hard to 
manage yourself in the face of certain behaviors. And so I'm affirming that, that people shouldn't make it seem like if you're a fiery email sender, you're a, you're, you're a person that doesn't have self-control and you can't be a Christian and you, you, you ain't got the Holy Ghost. That's not what I'm saying today. What, so I talked about inaction and creating periods of inaction. Because now let me be clear that the period of inaction for me is not about not getting my needs met. It's not about changing the way that I might feel about something. It's really about taking a step back to weigh the whole picture. You can be right as a left and right shoe. You can be right in your thought. You can be right in your intentions. You can be right all day. But there are some truths that when presented to people make things harder for you. Okay? Give us some examples. Okay? Why folks don't always want to hear about microaggressions. They don't want to be challenged on that. So you might run into some difficulties as a result of sharing a truth. Our spouses and significant others don't always like to hear the very truth of our experience and interpretation of their behavior, right? Sometimes our children can hear the truth, but because we have repeated it so many times, the way in which we share it creates a wall between the parent and the child. People are, are not always receptive to what is the truth. It's taking a step back, getting your needs met requires you to say, or to think, not only do I want to express myself, but I want to do so with the intention of changing a behavior, uh, 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 presenting an alternative thought, creating an opportunity for dialogue, whatever the outcome is. And the way that I communicate my need matters. The time in which it takes for me to communicate my need matters. And so really what is important in the lesson that I have learned is, is now the right time? Whose eyes can you trust to review this text message, this thought? Who can you call to ask? Have you talked to God about it? I had a situation recently where somebody kind of went off on me about something that I was doing um, that I felt wholeheartedly was a part of the process. I don't think anybody denied that I was following the protocol or the process. The person kind of snapped on me and I had every right to respond. My response was in protection to my dignity as a human uh, what I bring to the table as a professional, I had every right to say something. 
I was getting ready to send it and thought, let me just step back and think about this. I thought about the person's role. I thought about what the person needed. I thought about what I needed. I thought about who else might be important to this narrative and decided, you know, for the sake of managing relationships, I'm going to share the content of my email in a text message to my supervisor to get affirmation, even if I don't send it. Where does this really sit with you based on the person? Before I could speak to my supervisor or respond to the person, somebody advocated for me who was also attached to that email. Then my supervisor called and affirmed what I would have said and said, I got you. Don't worry about it. Now, Dominique, Conjure Maurice Beaumonte can go back and forth on a text message. I can go back and forth on the email. We can go back and forth in a conversation. I have been working on that. Do y'all hear me? I have, especially professionally, because I have had some low moments in my profession that have come as a result of people's ego not believing that they should hear my side of the story, right? And when I found my voice, I found my voice. So you're going to hear what I have to say. But this idea of getting your needs met came when I got my first management job. And they had required management training. And it was the regular stuff like sexual harassment, you know. But they had uh, an HR person come in and the person talked about conflict management. And they said, if you're going to be successful with conflict management, you've got to take into consideration what your needs are in the conflict and what the needs of the person that you're in conflict with are. Because sometimes if I know that you just want a certain project completed by a certain day, and the only challenge that I have with getting you that project on a certain day is that I was planning on being on vacation that day. Then my goal is to get both of our needs met. It would be counterproductive for me to be like, well, you didn't call me until the last minute. And who do you think you are? And, and um, I just work here. You don't own me. I'm not a slave. You know, like, I, you know. That then gives the person opportunity to operate from the lens of their ego. And then when you respond with your ego, I'm going to respond with mine. And then we're not going to get our needs met. So my advice to people is essentially what I have laid out. What need do you have before you respond? What, would, what need will be met based on what you will respond with? 
is it, it, I know it's necessary. I know it's true. I know it's your truth. I know it's a needed perspective. What does it gain you? What does it gain you? How's your needs met? And then in the process, I think also it's important to know that sometimes our response to certain things like really becomes a poor cycle because in our head, it's just this one little thing and you know, it's not that serious. And then before you know it, it becomes something bigger. And then, I mean, I've had situations where people have navigated their relationship with me based on my ineffective back and forth strategy, right? Like avoiding conflict or avoiding dialogue with me because they know how I communicate. And so I had to make adjustments with that because I realized that you can turn around any relationship or you can get out of it, right? So really being... Sometimes it requires just being selfish, right? Like, how do I get my needs met? And some people don't have, before I argue with you, does this person have even the capacity to meet my needs, right? Like, are they even, are they even somebody who can, are they somebody who even has the power or influence or authority to meet my, why, why am I arguing with you about race relations? Sometimes we try to convince people that can't be convinced. And sometimes our style is just doesn't work for some people, right? And so we try to like, we, we think that what we say should be more important than how we say it. Or that the truth that we have shared should override our style. And people are like, no, I don't, I hear what you're saying, but the way that you come at, you know, somebody that just talk with their hands and they get a little extra and you're like, wait, oh, wait, 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 wait. Because for me, when you start talking with your hands and raising your voice, I don't care what you're saying. Right. So that my journey to being responsible, um, being a person that reflects first, has everything to do with getting my needs met and not creating a cycle where my ego gets involved and the situation gets worse. And that intentionality comes as a result of prayer, thought partnership with people that I trust, more prayer, and you know, sometimes you got to pick up the phone rather than respond again or text again. Sometimes you have to weigh, like, the value of hiding behind devices and phones and computers. And you just have to create opportunities to say, hey, I want to be heard. Or, hey, I want to hear you. And I think that's important. So... That's where I am. I didn't, you know, I didn't even have notes for this episode. 
I just started thinking about it and I started talking. And then in the middle of this, random enough, because this is my podcast, I'm going to say what I want to, I had like an allergic reaction and had to start over. And so if you notice, like, oh my gosh, there was an energy shift or a time when the stuff wasn't fluid, it's because I'm having allergy issues. But anyway, thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more of my podcast episodes, whatever system that you subscribe to, just search for Season with Salt, the podcast, and check me out.